welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 22, recording on the 31st of March 2019, for release on the 2nd of April 2019, so we can avoid all those atrocious um, April Fool's jokes that the entire internet is now full of because it's now the 1st of April in Japan. I've already been caught out by a few and I'm now miffed because why do they have to make like April Fool's jokes out of things I want and then go, ha ha, it's not real. And it's like, well, you suck. Uh, but who is certainly not an April Fool or a fool of any kind is my co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. How are you doing, Andy? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I feel like I'm only not an April Fool because it's not April yet. Like, well, we'll wait and see come tomorrow. Uh, but uh, as we discussed before we started recording, I think we're both feeling the effects of losing an hour's sleep more than, than, more than anything else right now. We must be getting old because suddenly it's like, oh, that hour was really important to me. Yeah, I feel like I, I mostly just needed it and now it's gone. It's like, oh, oh, I needed that. I, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I have no excuse because I've had like a week off. So I've just been like laying in every day. So it's not like I should need more sleep but somehow just taking away that that singular hour has just sort of destroyed me utterly and I'm, I'm just kind of a quivering wreck at this point yeah sundays are weird because it's like at least where i am at the moment because it's like okay i wake up at a decent time i feed the cats blah 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 and then suddenly it's like 2 p.m i'm eating dinner and it's like what no hang on where's the day and now the sun's going down behind me so what <laughs> anyway enough of this so this is your fortnight look at manga not the weather with a focus on joint discussion of the titles we're looking at. Um, we will announce the next series ahead of time, so you can read them alongside us, and you can join in if you so wish. And you, as always, you can send us responses, uh, questions, and comments on the series we're covering. Um, if you so fancy and would like extra bonus content, you can support us on Patreon. For a mere $1 a month, um, you get free bonus episodes every month. We just published on Saturday... A episode about Card Captor Sakura, the legendary Magical Girl series by Clamp. Um, I think that was a good old one. Um, it was a good little sort of delve into that series, which ended up enjoying more than I expected. Um, also worth noting is we're doing what every other podcast now does, and I've put up a small preview of that episode in the main feed. So if you refreshed your podcast feed thinking we had a real episode for you, haha, it's a preview. Please give us money, maybe? Question mark? That'd be nice. Um, either way, talking about giving us money, um, we've gone on to a shout-out section where we shout out people who have done just that at a silly tier. Um, and that'll be Rob Jessup once again. Thank you very much, Rob. Much appreciated as always. You are, frankly, actually paying for the hosting. So that's really nice. So moving on to the rest of the podcast. Um, first and foremost, we have returning champions, which I'm kind of putting an asterisk here. Um, nothing I want to talk about at length, but I have finally started reading um, Voynich Hotel again, and I read volume two. And I don't really, I want to read volume three before we delve back into an extended discussion of that. I know we talked about it before when Andy had read it. This series has the weirdest, deepest lore in the way that like you kind of just effortlessly stuff happens and it builds out its various structures and its character sets and its worlds it, the frankly the worlds it inhabits and the characters who also live there and the various reality structures that have now started to come apparent and all of it is very much i don't know my per me personally i'm kind of approaching it with a great amount of yeah sure go ahead do that i will you're putting it down i'm enjoying what you're putting down and i can feel i can pick it up and I have no problems with all of this. So um, this is kind of jumping back in time for you a bit, Andy. But do you feel that as well, where it's just like, oh, this stuff is happening, but I'm cool with it? Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those series you can kind of 
immerse yourself in it as much or as little as you like without kind of impacting your enjoyment of it. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could probably sit there and say, right, I'm going to make my own wiki about all the deep lore of the Voynich Hotel and probably like glean a lot out of it and and be really kind of fascinated by it all. But yeah, I kind of came at it from the same angle of view as like, oh yeah, sure is sure is some crazy stuff going on here. Like I, I'm I'm kind of keeping up with it to the bare minimum that I need to and that's absolutely fine. Like it still it still does everything that it needs to and I'm still kind of getting all my pleasure out of this series like elsewhere. Uh but it's kind of it's almost like background radiation. You're just kind of aware of it, and you know it's 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 important enough to to kind of keep tabs of, of the the big picture. But yeah, there's there's a whole kind of layer to it that's just like yeah, it's cool that that exists, but you know I'm I'm fine just leaving it as it is. Yeah, I think the most important part of it is that what one thing I want to make clear is that you don't need like you don't need the hypothesized wiki to actually get the most out of it. Like the ultimate way of enjoying it is to just read it as is presented in the book form that it is. Whereas like, I'm a big fan of sprawling, ridiculous, like storyline and, you know, canon Bibles like hell, you know, I, I kind of like fell into my, I kind of fed myself into the pit of the fate universe and the greater type Mooniverse by getting really hooked on reading the wiki, which is not everyone's cup of tea and frankly is even i would admit a suboptimal way of telling some kinds of stories like if you go to watch say for example two movies about fate stay night and you're still hella confused about half the stuff happening because you didn't read the wiki and or play the original source material uh kind of not the ideal way of presenting a movie there lads um but the voynich hotel as it is like presents you things in a very exciting fashion but not having to justify itself constantly like for example they're like a character has like a mask of truth basically and it doesn't over egg it it doesn't under egg it it just uses it well it justifies the character it justifies the item's use in the world and it makes the whole series better as a whole hooray everyone wins especially the person wearing the mask <laughs> um so well kind of they have a lot of anxiety about it but that's something for the series but yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to volume three at this point, at the end of Volume 2, there's so much stuff set up that I'm fascinated to see pay off. And yeah, I think we talked about it before, about how you know it ends well and on its own terms. So I'm looking forward to it a great deal. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's some cool stuff. Um, and hell, important to remember, even if you're in a wheelchair, you can still go out with a 100-year-old witch, I guess. <laughs> so, thank, thank goodness this has finally been confirmed. Yeah, no kink shaming here. So... Moving on to our picks for this evening. Um, do you mind if I go ahead first, Andy? No, please do. Cool. So this was one I picked up, I mentioned, just because it seemed interesting as a premise. And then, well, I'll, I'll get to that. So this is Giant Spider and Me, a post-apocalyptic tale. Um, it's presented and written by um, Kikoro Morino. And the publisher is Seven Seas. They of the um, other kinds of monster um, arena, but this one is thankfully chased. Um, the series is complete at this point, and it is a mere three volumes long. It's available both physically and digitally. Um, I bought it from Bookwalker, as is normal. Um, and yeah, this was the first volume. And so, Giant Spider and Me almost doesn't need the subtitle of a post-apocalyptic tale. And if anything. The post-apocalyptic section is a complete, like, utter side note that you don't really need to worry about. In fact, at one point, there is a two-page spread where you see the fact it's post-apocalypse, and the characters then immediately diffuse it and go, yeah, but who cares? So, whatever. 
Um, so Giant Spider and Me stars. Um, oh, I wrote it down. I know I'm bad at names. Where is it? Maggie uh, uh, is the main Nagy, character. Dan- oh, I can't be handwriting on my notes. This is stupid. But anyway, you have Nagi. She lives alone. She is a undeterminable age child who seems to age up and down depending on the panel, which made it rather confusing for me to try and grok her maturity and age, but whatever. Um, so she, she lives alone. Her dad has a real bad case of wanderlust. He is off adventuring somewhere. He sends crap back from time to time. They live in this little lovely sort of rather idyllic log cabin in a wood. Um, Nagi herself tends to fields and goes foraging and generally like sort of looks after herself and the house. She minds the place. Um, and while walking um, back from the fields one day, she happens upon a giant spider with lots and lots of eyes and a rather silly little sort of thorax covered in like leaves and a lot of eyes. And Sid Spider isn't really too fussed about attacking but mostly sort of chases after Nagi to give her back a pumpkin she dropped, um, which is important and polite in this modern era. Um, so Nagi kind of like realizes she can't really communicate too directly with the spider, but they have like a rapport going on. Like characters later on note mentioned this, that, you know, it's not a one-to-one relationship. It's not a direct relationship, but there is a rapport going on there. And so she names it Asa, which is obviously the word for morning because she discovered it in the morning. Kids not exactly in the most um, inventive with naming. And the rest of it is kind of four chapters. The first chapter of setting this all up takes a good chunk of the volume. And then there's four more chapters um, where they kind of get on with their daily life. The part that is the sting in the tail of this for me is that this manga is secretly a cooking manga. And if if you come into this, you think, oh, good, it's like a survival after the apocalypse. And like a, it's like, you know, an isekai kind of otherworldly sort of, you know, surviving and getting on with friends who isn't a human. But no surprise, it's a cooking manga. And each chapter dedicates at least six pages to a single recipe as it like goes through the dish du jour, including one that made me very confused when suddenly Nagi busts out a tin of tomatoes. It's like, wait, where'd you get the tin from? <laughs> Hang on, that requires infrastructure. You can't just say there's a tin of tomatoes. Anyway, whatever. I fixated on strange things in this series. But yeah, it's surprise, it's a cooking manga. Did you see that coming, Andy? Because I certainly didn't. Um, No, I, I didn't. That did kind of catch me by surprise, and I felt a little hoodwinked by it. Um, I mean, that that was the part of this volume that I liked, I liked the least. Like, I really enjoyed kind of Nagi and, and Asa's kind of everyday goofing around and or adventures. But whenever it got to the cooking bit, like, my eyes kind of glazed over a bit. Because it's not even really that interesting in its presentation it kind of almost feels a bit shoehorned in like we've talked about some other kind of cooking manga and we've talked about other series that kind of you know involve cooking heavily and they all kind of have a spin on that or a way of making that kind of interesting you know you've kind of got the delicious in dungeons sort of affair of you know kind of a, a basically completely kind of fictional cooking manga um and then you know you, you have other things that are kind of you know based more around restaurants etc etc kind of wakakazake that sort of thing and this just felt like it kind of felt like they'd somehow just sort of bolted this on at some point it's almost like kind of the the, the author had sat down with their editor and they said hey have you heard what's hot right now cooking manga it's selling really well it's like oh well i can put some cooking stuff in this and so you know thus the cooking section of each chapter was born which is maybe a little harsh but that was kind of how it felt to me it felt like i was almost just being having bits of a different series like dropped in for a few pages every chapter 
Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. Um, especially because it takes on a very different tone. Like it's almost like as a timeout sort of element to it, where instead of it being at an end of chapter omake slash little side note about the dish they cooked, it's just dropped straight into the chapter. And, you know, it, it kind of makes the rest of the series feel a bit flat. Um, and I will, because, sorry, I was trying to say three things at once there and caught myself out. But basically it makes the series feel flat because suddenly I'm sat there thinking, wait, was this entire chapter just a setup to make a turnip soup? Like, was that it? Was this the entire point of this chapter when, you know, I don't really want drama out of this. And, you know, it tries, it does different sort of stuff. Like it obviously explores Nagy, Nagy and Asa's relationship and their sort of rapport and, you know, the perils of living on your own and the, the fears and, you know, what you do in a world that is kind of like, you know, collapsed somewhat, but not in destructive fashion. And, you know, everything's just, you know, the greatest structures have just gone and fallen away but still lives in this like idyllic sort of like living on the land sort of structure. I mean, how they, you know, there's plenty of time to go and plant crops and go on a picnic and fix the window. And, you know, the series ends on quite a sort of strong panel where it's like, Oh, there's someone here with a gun and a gas and a gas mask. And I must admit, actually that turned me off entirely because I still didn't feel comfortable with the two main characters yet. And they're kind of, living and i thought there was much more to be gained from just this just the quiet sort of conflict free world that they found themselves in and were meandering around like you know still feeling out the relationship with maggie and and asa and what asa's version is and frankly the part of me as mentioned at the top is that i still can't get a grasp on how old maggie is and what her like, is she mature is she a young teen is she just a kid you know i don't understand her place in this world which is rather sad when she is the point of view character and the main narrator of everything and is the kind of like the kind of lens through which we discover the rest of the world so the whole series the whole series the series as a whole that the kind of fell flat for me because i didn't ever find anything to latch too strongly onto and whenever i did find something i wanted to latch onto like again asa there wasn't enough there for me to really get my teeth into until it's now cookery time and i'm just like sat there going well yeah okay i don't really care <laughs> so, yeah yeah i mean i i think the the feeling that i kind of came away with the, with this first volume from was kind of one of like i i really enjoyed as mentioned just kind of naggy and asa just kind of like goofing around in their everyday adventures and I kind of almost wished that like the post-apocalyptic side had been kind of torn out and it was yeah. just like, Hey, here are these two characters. You know, they, they live in some little house on the hill, but like it's not a post-apocalyptic world. And hey, here's their kind of healing adventures of just, you know, goofing around with this cute spider thing, which is strangely adorable, even though it shouldn't be apart from when it opens its giant gaping maw and you're like, Oh God, <laughs> this is, this is terrifying, which the series that like the, the volume also does a really good job of like you have this moment of like oh this spider's actually really adorable and cute and oh you just want to pet it and then it opens its mouth like oh oh okay um which is is kind of a, a fun little moment that it has but yeah like i, I enjoyed the kind of the, the the sort of it's not really the character building or, or like the relationship building between those two characters like i feel like they'd sort of bounce off of one another quite well from the get-go but it was just kind of everything extraneous to that sort of felt like it was trying too hard in a sense i mean again like i, I had a really strange feeling about that cliffhanger at the end of the volume because on the one hand 
and especially having noted that it's only three volumes long, there is a part of me that's like, ah, I kind of want to see where this goes. But at the same time, I was also in the same boat of view as like, this is not what I've been enjoying about this series at all. Like, I, I wasn't waiting for the guys with gas masks to appear, you know, like extras from Stalker. Like, you know, I was kind of, I was quite happy for these two characters to just continue doing their thing and being cute girl and cute spider have cute adventures in Q house. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, it, yeah, it's also, it's a case where there's many, the majority of the things in this volume, in this series, I don't, I, I don't care about mm. as a result. Like, as you say, I want the cute adventures and everything else can kind of go away. But I, you know, at this point, it's me trying to make the manga into something it's totally not. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's kind of a weird read. And I was really excited at the start because, you know, initially it has this very watercolor painterly look for the, fir- for the cover and for the first few pages and i was like oh man this is going to be cool oh no okay it's back down to like normal art new normal but very nice and very accomplished you know actual just pencil line drawing and such um but even then the 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 gulf between oh man this is gonna be dope and oh no okay i got my hopes up nope it's not that so kind of yeah i can i kind of kept kept putting my my investment in stuff that was just not carried over by the by the rest of the series like you say like the post-apocalyptic part doesn't need to exist like the cooking part is fun but doesn't need to exist for me and just all these other elements like even the fact that her dad's away kind of doesn't really need to exist and if anything feels more like a stumbling block for the series that it keeps having to step over every time it it gets raised like it it causes more questions than it answers especially now when it's trying especially at the start when it's trying to get up you know some momentum to it yeah, I mean, again, it, it does almost feel like kind of, you know, the, the elevator pitch for the series was like, oh, it's this girl and this giant spider who's actually, you know, adorable and, and you know, makes for a fun pet. And then at some point there was some kind of like editorial meeting of like, no, you need to flesh this out. Like it, it needs more to it to be saleable. And then, you know, other things started getting bolted onto it. And maybe that's not how, how it came came about at all, but it's kind of how it feels from kind of the outside looking in. Like it was weird. Like uh, for for me, the the few pages that were kind of watercolor styled. I don't know whether it's just like a comicsology thing, but it looked really terrible. It was really badly scanned on the, on the comicsology app. So I was actually quite relieved when it switched to a different art style that seemed like it was actually suitable for the reader. Because I was kind of having a a concern that I wasn't going to be able to to make anything out because the first few pages looked really weird. Oh, that's wild. Um, yeah, I'm on, I was on Bookwalker as mentioned, and I was also, um, reading it on my actual, like, PC monitor rather than my tablet for once. And no, it looked fine. Um, it looked, you know, as I say, painterly. So I was quite enjoying it, but that's wild. I didn't know. Oh, I have to take a picture of that somehow and show, um, be interesting to compare notes on that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see. To, yeah, I'll, I'll have to take a screenshot and, uh, and, and drop that over to you. Cause yeah, it was really weird. It was one of those, like, is this book? broken or something weird happened here and then when i got into the the standard art style it was absolutely fine so it seemed like there was something it's almost like it'd been scanned in at the wrong dpi or something because it yeah. just looked horrible giant spider and me an avant-garde adventure <laughs> um but yeah i so yeah i must admit like the fact that like preparing for this podcast and seeing it's three volumes i think it does the same thing it does to you where i'm like well it seems almost silly not to see it through to the end but equally that's two other volumes i could be reading in the meantime and it's just kind of this slightly exhausting feeling where I want to like this series because it has shades of other series I really like uh, with the, you know, the whole calm, you know, sort of healing, almost healing style, just everyday life in a different set of shoes element. But at the same time, at that point, it's like, well, 
there are many other series I can think of that do that part for me better. Um, yeah. Whereas this, you know, and also the one thing I will say is that I want to know about more about Asa, but there's very little investigation into the spider. Like it's, you know, there's a, there's one mystery that happens around the spider, but there's not much drilling into, oh, are all spiders like this now? Is the, is Asa just weird? Like, what's the deal with Asa? What's up with the weird sort of combination of different, like, why, why are there flowers on its butt? You know, like, what's going on? But none of that is even appreciated as a question. So maybe that's not something the series is actually going to, like, recognize or consider being material. So maybe yeah. I'm maybe I'm barking up an entirely wrong tree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it almost puts, like, a, a full stop at the, the, the end of that sentence because there is a point in this volume where kind of Nagy's basically like, yeah, I'll probably never figure out what this kind of weird spider-like thing is because, like, it's not even really confirmed that it's actually a spider. It just yeah, does, it like, has a tentacle feeler thing, doesn't it? Yeah, but, it, like, it does a lot of spider-like things, but, like, there's no, like, ab- absolute evidence that, like, yes, this is definitely a spider. Um, but, yeah, it, it feels very much like it kind of shoots that whole question down of just like, well, we'll never know. And, yeah. Uh, uh, like I'm, I'm kind of fine with that because uh, you know it, it didn't didn't really impinge on the stuff that I did enjoy about the, this volume, and it's it's kind of frustrating because I did really genuinely like the stuff that I liked about it. Like it, it made me made me laugh a few times. Like it, it was it was cute and sweet and kind of like relaxing to to watch sort of the the everyday stuff panning out but certainly like that cliffhanger at the end in particular like as curious as i am about it it, it also felt like a signpost of like ah, this is going in the direction away from what you've been enjoying here so you know maybe maybe this isn't for you which again like when there's just two volumes there it's very tantalizing just to grab it just to find out but it, it did it did feel like it was maybe kind of a shot across of just like well if you we're just happy with this cute spider then hey there's there's some other stuff that we're gonna be be dig, uh, digging into here yeah i mean maybe there'll be a sale i know that um seven seas are not the big ones for digital sales but you never know um so yeah we'll see um so i that's kind of me i'm i've already repeated myself enough so that's kind of me on giant spider and me <laughs> um, yeah, I must admit, like I say, like the one thing that is nice is that the spider is always like kind of cute, even when it's slightly scary, it's still cute. Uh, mostly because it's gaping more, still looks kind of comedic and silly. Um, although I'm a little bit, the first two page spread you get of it is like, man, look at all those teeth. <laughs> yeah. Where do, you, where do you put all those? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like there's an interesting kind of experiment here for, for somebody with arachnophobia to read this and like to see where they, they land on it. Cause I imagine they'd be all over the map of like, oh, maybe this isn't so bad. Oh, no. Yeah. what have you done why are you why are you clockwork oranging me this stupid manga <laughs> oh dear cool so yeah that's um giant spider and me a post-apocalyptic tale so moving on andy do you want to introduce your pick Yes, so uh, yeah, my pick for this podcast is uh, Danza, which is uh, another series from Natsume Ono. Uh, we we covered uh, their uh, Aka 13 a, a fair few podcasts ago and had had a variety of, of thoughts and feelings about it, but obviously Natsume Ono is, is quite a, a popular uh, author as things go. And uh, this seemed like an, an interesting kind of series because it's actually a, a collection of short stories, which Kadansha uh, sold it as, as a collection of stories about being a foreigner, sometimes even in your own home, which is kind of on the money like it's it's perhaps a little more complex than that but it's it is very much about people who are 
kind of not feeling kind of welcome or comfortable in in the circumstances in which they find themselves for whatever reason. Um, and it's a series of, of six shorts, um, all of which are kind of varied in in length and and setting. Although that's uh, my only sure, sure does love Italy and uh, and that particular part of Europe because uh, uh, Italy and indeed France kind of turn up throughout. Yeah, I. It also, for me, kind of filled in a few parts about Aka 13 and some of their other works where it's like, ah, yeah, I can see your influences. Like, you totally do love Italy. And as someone who does also like Italy, yeah, totally. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Italy and guys who smoke, that's that's what it's all about. Just people, well, they don't even seem to smoke intentionally. They're just, it's just a thing that happens around, like, they just do smoking by living, right? (laughs) Just smoking happens with them around. Yeah, indeed. So I, I guess to kind of like go through each story briefly in part, uh, the first story is called Rubber Boots, and it's probably a good kind of kickoff to this manga because it's it, it kind of goes places more than any of the others do, and it, it's kind of like it, it does sort of catch you unawares because um, basically it's a story of, of kind of a, 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 actually no, I'm, I'm getting this in totally the wrong order, so we'll scratch that bit. Um, so, so <laughs> Rubber Boots is the first story. Um, it's about a young man who visits his parents' vineyards to kind of help them out, um, and it, it kind of it, it has it has a weird twist to it. Like I, I feel like I didn't really get what its ultimate goal was exactly because it, it kind of it, it did catch me out of left field a little bit with how it ended up, but it was like. I sort of felt like there was a layer of the narrative that I'd somehow kind of missed in terms of what it was really setting up here. Like, I don't know what you, what you got out of this one in particular. So, uh, sorry, Andy, I'm not trying to be on your parade with this, but I have the same reaction to nearly all of these stories, apart from the ice cream one we'll get to. But <laughs> my general read on this story in particular is the introduction one, but to lesser and greater degrees, the rest of them is that I felt like the, the build-up was outsized to the payoff where the build-up feels like it always has like one too many elements one too many layers one too many pieces of information that seem prime and important and then the payoff is usually something quite simple but still satisfying that does resolve things but you've i I was given too much input for what it it wanted me to process it with the resolution and always at each time left me feeling slightly unsatisfied as a result does that kind of tally, especially this, um, especially this first one, first one about um, rubber boots, where you know main character goes to visit his dad. Um, the family life appears to be split somehow, like mother and father appear to be split. There's an uncle involved who may be like a family friend uncle rather than the blood relate, relative relative uncle, and like there's tinges of loss, and you know this person Michelle having died the previous year. And, you know, oh, he never drinks his own wine and all this sort of stuff about the vineyard and the wine and his father and the various relationships about the main character and, you know, the old country. But then when it comes to it, the resolution is like a nice affirming, like clink of the glasses sort of thing. And I was like, well, this is a nice resolution, but it feels like you're resolving like like a part. You're resolving the whole thing, but in such a simple manner that it suddenly shrinks everything down and and finishes it and i'm like well i had all this stuff you did all this stuff to build up and i'm totally feel kind of weirdly at sea and kind of cut loose does that make sense yeah i mean that's that's definitely kind of how i felt about this one in particular i mean i i i'm kind of with you that there is an element of that to virtually all of the stories but this was definitely the one that kind of left me the most nonplussed because yeah like there was there was a lot that went into 
the story early on and then kind of when it came to its final payoff yeah i i, I felt like i must have just missed something because it, it felt like there wasn't really anything to get my teeth into to kind of you know join the dots and be like oh okay yeah here's here's kind of you know the emotional payoff here's the the, the intent of what this story is trying to put across it, it felt very much like it just kind of it just finished and i, I felt like i'd been kind of left a bit empty-handed on this one yeah, I'm with you, especially because this is a, this is the first one, and there is a certain commonality among these. There, I believe the whole like feeling like a stranger, even in your own front room, sort of thing does work for these stories as a through line or a narrative thread. But with this one in particular, I could never figure out what thread I was supposed to be following. Like you know, again with the departed friend, the father, blah blah blah. It never quite really meshed. Um, yeah, like too too much. It was too much there, so I couldn't really sort any of it out. Um, yeah yeah that's that's definitely kind of where i i came came in on that one as well i mean in, in contrast like i i quite enjoyed the the second uh story here like memories of the lake uh which basically mm. has kind of a, a young boy that meets this kind of strange man who's looking for somebody kind of ends up inviting him into his house because this young lad has a a pretty poor relationship with his father and doesn't really give a shit what happens basically so it's just like yeah sure you can come and hang out whatever like i i don't care my dad doesn't seem to care so whatever um and it it basically introduces the fact that this this guy this stranger is actually a time traveler uh which is is a big plot twist for, for this particular story that seems like it's kind of relatively mundane and suddenly it kind of throws time travel in there uh, and then it kind of explains like the reasons why this time traveler is here why he's visiting this particular house and has kind of effectively conned his way in there um and i i like this one like this this i felt like i could see the through line of it it's still a little bit unusual in terms of how it ends like it's not really kind of it's certainly not really a, a happy ending in the broadest sense. Like it's not necessarily an entirely satisfying ending, but like I could kind of see where the characters were all coming from and could kind of understand what they're all doing in a way that's like, okay, yeah, this is sort of, this is sort of an interesting take on how this whole thing is, has kind of panned out. So I, I, I found this one way more satisfying than the first. And it's probably kind of up there as kind of one of the, the, the two stories that I, I sort of, that gelled with me, I guess, in, in this collection. Yeah, I'm, I enjoyed this one um, quite a lot as well. The main thing, I, sorry to repeat myself, but again, it gave me, it had one too many elements to it that muddied the waters. Like, there is like, there's multiple layers of secrecy in the characters and what they want to tell each other and the various like character web that exists. But there's like one too many sort of like endings to it where like a sting in the tail of, oh, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to like split and do something strange or who's going to fuck up the timeline almost. But it it has one too many, like, I don't want to say it because it, it is kind of mean to blur out the actual main ending, but there is a kink in the ending, which left me feeling really unsatisfied because it's just, Oh, okay. You were building up to something, but now before you actually pay it off, you've cut the knees out from under it. And while I'm still interested in how you resolve it, I it really kind of, you know, cut me short five pages from the end. Um, also, frankly, I, I had a hard time telling telling the difference between the characters um, at times because they all were different shades of like dude wearing glasses, and because the camera. So one thing in general is I, is that Natsumi Ono in this like is a lot more plain in their styling of their characters, which it looks a lot more a lot more sort of mundane compared to Aka, which is like very stylish with very little. Um, please see our previous episode about Aka Thirteen. Um, but with this, it felt a lot more plain, a lot more flat, 
which just made it difficult when you have the camera constantly moving around a scene but the characters don't have enough differentiating features for you to tell them apart when it is literally three dudes with bad hair receding problems and glasses. Um, yeah. And when you can't tell the difference between like the time traveler and the kid, it's like, okay, this is bad. Like I can't tell anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, that's definitely like, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that is definitely something that I was going to kind of raise around this book as a whole, but like, this is definitely the story that has the biggest problem with that by its very nature of kind of like characters that are all interrelated and uh yeah like it, it is very hard to tell them apart like so I, I was really relieved when you get to like one of the latest stories it's like oh god thank god this this guy has black hair because it's like at least i know that i'll be able to tell you apart from the other guy that has blonde hair <laughs> because you know i i have I have a line in the sand there to delineate them, but there are definitely like moments in in quite a few of these stories where I'm kind of like squinted like wait is this guy a or guy b okay i think i've got it now and then turn the page and have that have that dilemma all over again but this was this was definitely the one that was a a real headache in terms of kind of trying to figure out who was who was who but so yeah like you say it is it is a good example of kind of how natsmane's art has has come on uh, like you know between now and and aka 13 is something far more recent because like the style is definitely there and very similar but there's a a whole kind of extra level of, of kind of like detail and characterization and etc that that makes it a whole lot easier to read yeah there's there's like a there's like a, a finessing of the craft that natsmiono can provide in the more recent works yeah um, for, for which, sure which is which is interesting in its own right from an academic point of view and you know to get back to it i did like this story because it's kind of the one story where once i once it was long enough and had enough detail to it that i got my teeth actually into it and did enjoy it um but then again towards the end it just had one too many layers and i was left there going oh, okay hang on all right hang on what's what's going on here <laughs> this that you you did you gave me too much information again for this very short story but yeah. i did enjoy I, this was kind of one of my favorites as mentioned yeah yeah, yeah I, can, I can't think likewise here i mean I, actually like my my outright favorite was probably the next story diorama uh oh, okay. which is Basically, uh, about a daughter who uh, who comes back to to visit her family uh, with her husband, who is a German American, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yep. Um. He, he's also hella tall. Um. And uh, it's kind of really about the the sort of the, the tension within that kind of extended family, in particular between the the girl's father and and his son in law, like. Son-in-law is is trying really hard to kind of like you know get in father-in-law's good books and kind of failing miserably or like actively screwing up, um and kind of like as it progresses, you kind of see a little bit of kind of the the softer side of of the dad in terms of like he does kind of want to like reach out an olive branch, but he feels like he's already kind of burned his bridges and doesn't really know how, and it's really just the story of these two characters kind of trying to find some kind of common ground that they can use to sort of build some kind of relationship between them. And there's something I can't really verbalize exactly what it is about that, but there was just something that that kind of caught me about watching these two characters kind of dancing around each other, trying to figure one another out and kind of get a read on one another's emotions, especially with kind of the additional sort of roadblock of of kind of, you know, the the language and, and cultural differences that that you know even though the the son-in-law has, has learned some japanese like obviously it's not his native language um like he, he can't eat sushi because it messes with his stomach and it's like it's all these kind of little things that have kind of ended up as wedges between him and, and this extended family and kind of watching them try to close that gap 
and to, to what was actually kind of a pretty satisfying ending. I, I just really liked it. It just it, it felt very kind of real and, and kind of relatable on a certain level to me, and and I just I really liked it for that. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it for some of the same reasons, especially because you know the entire rest of the cast, including the, like the sushi bar owner. Uh, like they kind of realize and appreciate it that it is like the father-in-law's it's the father-in-law's job to get over this and to kind of find his own way forward because he doesn't he doesn't just want he doesn't want to be an obstinate like old fart but he keeps doing it like for different reasons and it it kind of helps a lot that things get worse before they get better and it kind of you know adjusts what is important it shows the character it shows you know it shows that he is willing to like view what makes what other people care about and do in their lives to then be as a bridge for him to, you know, open up. And it is this case where it is a, it's a very direct case of growth on his part without, you know, without other characters being, um, under, undercut or sort of undermined, which, you know, you could have had the like typical, like stupid argument between daughter and father about, Oh, why don't you like my husband? It, you know, it has a mention of that, but it's all, everyone appreciates that. Okay, he will come around. Just we need to always turn on this, which I really enjoyed. Like it, the res- the resolution isn't completely clear cut, but does have a nice way of going. Okay, there is a there here there is a path forward for this, and the future is a lot brighter than it was. Um, but yeah, it's it's very good. It, of course, as mentioned before, it plays a lot with height and with perspective, and you know characters being up and down and different heights and such. So. You know, Natsumono already does a lot of verticality and camera work in panels, but it, this chap, this chapter especially, plays it really well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of really fun all, all round, and yeah, like I, I feel like even visually, it was certainly kind of the most sort of arresting of of all of them. Like it, it had interesting things to do, like you say, with kind of its, its paneling and, and the verticality in it, and uh, and yeah, like I, I think it was enjoyable for that as well. Yeah, it does also have the most on your on the nose discussion of the theme of the volume, where you know, like the sushi bar owner's like, "Oh, I've been seeing you a lot in here. Don't feel like you got your own place anymore, eh?" And it's like, "Okay, yes, I get it." Like, <laughs> you, thank you, sushi, thank you, secondary character for like pointing out the theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a surpri- it's kind of a surprise he didn't go and say somebody should write a manga about this. It would be great. <laughs> oh no, God! If they did do that, I would have thrown the tablet. God. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that that kind of then takes on to, to the fourth short, which is the the shortest of shorts. Like, there's uh, there, there, there's not too much to this at all. Um, this is the the Galateria and the Carabinieri. I think yep. I probably butchered that somewhat, but whatever. Carabinieri. Um, but uh, yeah, it's basically about a, a, a spot where police end up being stationed opposite an ice cream shop, and the the torture they're in of having to stand there on duty. Most people are eating their ice cream, and it's really—it's very short, but it's—it it made me laugh at the end. So it was—it was kind of worth it. Of just like this policeman is like, oh yeah, I remember when I was a kid. Like I used to tease like the policeman station there and just like eat eat my ice cream like really, uh, really slowly and really savored it in front of him just to piss him off. And then of course it turns out that that's somebody that he works with now, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And like it's very simple, but it's just like ah, that that amused me. It made me laugh at the end. So so fair play. That's me, I know. Yeah, I was I was dreading it when um after like when when he goes back on duty a second time, I'm like, man alive, is this gonna like drag out for, like all the like some of these other stories? And then no, it's over. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, phew. But no, it is cute. Also, like you can tell, this is like the most direct like Natsuma Ono oh, love Italy because 
I think I know the location that's referred to, and it's a real place opposite a famous gelatory. Yeah, and... I, I believe I, I, I saw in the translation notes at the back that it is based on like the the oldest ice cream shop in Italy or something in Rome. I think it is. Yeah, and so, you know, uh... I'm, I'm I'm a big big fan of um, Italian ice cream, like gelato. So you know, I'm right there with it. Um, but yeah, the the translation notes actually, on, as a side note, are pretty funny because they're like, hey. This is where these things are set, okay? Just in case you got confused. It's like, okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, that that felt like a very much kind of, for our American readers who may not be be familiar with Europe at all, like, here's, here's the thing. Because, yeah, it's like, you know, all of these stories as, as somebody who's European, like, you know, you can kind of, you know straight away where all these places are, like, within a single panel. But I guess if you're not kind of a native of that continent, it probably needs a little bit more kind of uh, uh, noting. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. When when some of the when Italy is like twenty nine pounds and a one and a half hour flight away, you know, kind of a bit easier to know it off by heart, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. And so then uh, the the penultimate story um, is called Smoke, and th- this is one that I just didn't really kind of gel with it at all. It's basically about two brothers who have a very different kind of demeanor and outlook on life who end up like trapped in an earthquake waiting to be rescued which is is always a a classic kind of narrative device of like oh two people trapped in a building who don't get on with one another and you know they they have plenty of time to sort stuff out and they do but i didn't really care like i I don't know what it was about it but like there was nothing I, i i feel like there's just nothing in the way those characters were set up that made me interested in kind of their their lives or their their kind of philosophies of, of life so you know when the, everything was happily resolved or whatever it was just like ah fine good for you i guess and then i just kind of like went on without really thinking about it too much more yeah i my only note written for this is eh question mark question mark because I didn't understand the characters, even in the setup. I didn't understand their dilemmas. I didn't understand what they were talking about when they were talking. It's just, I didn't understand the stakes or resolution or anything. I just, yeah, couldn't get my hand around, my arms around it at all. Um, Which, yeah, no idea. And and also at this point, no real interest in trying to reread it to to, to grasp it. It sounds extremely mean, but just no, just didn't, didn't touch me at all. Yeah, I mean, this this was probably the one story that felt like a short that maybe needed to be more than just a short, that maybe needed like a couple of chapters of like, hey, here are these two characters in their life before this party where they end up getting like trapped in a castle basement to like, so that you can figure out what these people are, like what their past together has been like in, in kind of, you know, more explicit terms. Because I, I feel like, you know, they just felt like, two kind of character archetypes just kind of smushed together and without kind of understanding them on an individual level it's very hard to kind of feel any kind of engagement with what they're doing or kind of you know what they're working towards yeah at all yeah especially because i didn't understand the beef whatsoever (laughs) so maybe that's just because i'm an only child who knows but yeah no idea yeah yeah Yeah. glad it wasn't just me but hey maybe this is what what happens when you have two only children on a manga podcast so if, if, you, if, you, if you have if you have any any different opinions, then uh, then get in touch. I guess calling on quintuplets, come on our podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah, clearly we we should stop talking about anything that involves siblings. Um, so that takes on to the last uh, story, uh, which is called Partners, um, which is basically about about two two cops who are partnered together. There's kind of a, a veteran and and the newbie. Uh, rumors start going around the police station uh, that that kind of strains their relationship. 
And um, I, I quite like this one. This this was definitely on the kind of like, oh, you can kind of see where ACA 13 came from list because it, it sort of, it, it very much has that sort of vibe between its kind of like police basis and, and sort of some of its characters. And I quite like this. Like it was, it, it, it felt like this could be kind of a solid episode of any cop show where it's just like, you know, you've got these two kind of very different kind of chalk and cheese detectives working together and you know some, something comes up that, that kind of you know puts a rift between them and then it all gets resolved at the end and it's like yeah that's that's cool I'm, I'm okay with that that was enjoyable enough i guess but like nothing kind of particularly groundbreaking or amazing came out of it for me yeah it was perfectly enjoyable i must admit this one got much much better as i went through because initially i just couldn't get my head around the two main characters and when the like the aforementioned rumors started swirling i was like wait hang on is this important or not like where does this put thing and it took me a while to get my head around the characters honestly because i just couldn't grasp their relationship or even what they were doing which is maybe more me missing the point but yeah i I did enjoy it towards the end when it's like oh this is a cool little you know you can as you say you can see where aka 13 came from where it's like well, who cares about actually catching criminals? I want internal inf- affairs to manga. And yeah. yeah, this totally follows on that and does do some interesting stuff around that with the characters and, you know, how you react to things and how the characters interrelate. And it's kind of cool in that regard where, you know, it, it kind of, it kind of is the one, mar- one, one short story out of this lot that I feel like had the properly segmented beginning, middle and end without anything weird happening or anything spinning off into its own direction. Yeah. Like, I, by the end I was like, okay, this wrapped up. That was good. Like, like I don't, I don't feel overloaded or confused about what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it probably also much like smoke. You could, you could make the argument that it maybe needed to be kind of a, a multi-chapter thing where you kind of get a bit more of these characters before they enter this situation rather than kind of like dropping you in, you know, and give you a very brief kind of roundup of like, Oh yeah. Like his, his, the, the basis of their relationship and their, their working relationship. Now here's the, the, the dilemma. Here are these rumors swirling because, uh, it is difficult to latch on to characters when you've not really seen much of them beyond a few panels that are kind of a very blatant, like, hey, here here, here are these two personalities. They're very different, you know, full stop now onto the, the story part, which, you know, it, it, it's a difficult skill. Like, I think it's writing any kind of short story like that is, is always difficult for that very reason. Like, you've not got a lot of time to work with to, to make you care about characters. And uh, I think it does say something for this story that it does kind of manage to, to win you over relatively quickly once kind of you know it, 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 the the rubber hits the road as it were yeah i mean it's mostly that when the actual rumors first come up appear i was like are they are there are there rumors and i wasn't i didn't quite grok that that was my introduction rather than i'd missed them beforehand <laughs> so it got kind of wild in that regard where i'm like hang on did i miss something no okay whatever <laughs> so yeah as you say it feel like it feels like it needed a little more space to kind of just put its stall out um although at the same time it spends a lot of time talking about how their elevator is out and it's like yeah that's cool it's a nice bit of flavor but i feel like i'm missing some setup here yeah having worked in buildings where the elevators 
been out of service, I, I can confirm it is pretty much all you talk about until they fix it. It's like, man, elevator's still not fixed. It's still not man, fixed. <laughs> man, I have an elevator. I have three elevators at my work, and they fall, they fail constantly. But you know, we can't. Everyone just kind of goes whatever. So, probably because we're used to them breaking all the time. Yeah. You see uh, what they what they should have done is is like combined the final two stories of this volume and had the two guys from Smoke trapped in the lift in in the police station where the the other guys were complaining about the lift not working. They could have just merged them into one. Oh no, yeah, just mash all six stories together yeah. into one stupid yeah. shared universe and, and, yeah. and then at the end they all get an ice cream and it's all great <laughs> if I, only if i get an ice cream as well somehow <laughs> yeah it's, it's your, your new bundle purchase like buy this digital manga and you get a venture for an ice cream as long as it's not digital ice cream yeah, yeah um, unfortunately you've got to go to rome for it but you know I, i'm fine happy happy to do so <laughs> again so but yeah i i it was kind of an interesting um, sort of section. Like it, it makes me appreciate Aka Thirteen, which feels like a really powerful backhanded compliment because, like, see our previous discussion about the art. But it did make me appreciate Natsume Ono's art anew, where this, you know, as mentioned, feels a lot more flat. And in Aka Thirteen, it kind of has this effortless, amazing charm to it that really comes through. Which again makes me appreciate that series all the more for what it can accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of shows what a what an extra kind of a few years of of, of work can do. I, I can't remember what originally came out, but I think it was relatively early compared to to Aka. I mean, in, in a broader sense, I feel like it it kind of helped me appreciate Natsume more as a whole because I've kind of like. I kind of watched and had a weird relationship with the House of Five Leaves anime, and I could kind of uh, between that and Aka Thirteen, it was very much a case of like ah, I can kind of see what people like about this author, but it's maybe not quite my thing. But I feel like the more of their stuff that I consume, the more I'm kind of coming on board with like, yeah, there's actually something to this, and I'm sort of getting into you know p- picking up what they're putting down. So yeah, it's I feel like I'm slowly being kind of won over and converted to, to that cause yeah it's kind of this sort of gaining oeuvre almost i am interested in the next um the next series by natsume ono i remember the name of it it's Badon, which is the main capital of aka 13 and it's basically like four dudes open a bar and that seems like a really good springboard for a lot of stuff that natsume ono does with both shorter and longer narratives so kind of excited to see what happens there yeah, there's, there's going to be a whole volume where they tried to ban smoking, and it's like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, how dare you? No. <laughs> yeah, like, what am I going to draw now? <laughs> <laughs> it's so useful to obscure parts of characters' faces when they need to look shifty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, that was Danza, and uh, you know, as mentioned, it's a one-volume thing. It's like a standalone item. Um, also, it guest stars the most powerful character of all, of all a Nokia thirty-three ten. Um, so you know, it's good. Yes, yeah, yeah. If if you needed to to kind of like age when this was was probably created and formulated, I guess that probably gives you gives you some clues. But I uh, did cheer yeah. when it appeared because I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> Nokia thirty three ten! Like, yeah. oh man, yeah, just age, just date the series entirely. Yeah, can't can't beat them. But yeah, like I, I think definitely like if if you're a fan of this author, like and you haven't checked this out yet, it, it, it's worth a look for for all of the reasons that we've discussed. And it definitely like it's always a risk with short story collections that it, it's always a weird kind of value proposition they're just like how many of these shorts am i gonna like but i feel like there was at least enough here 
to say like yeah this wasn't kind of money wasted like even regardless of having the the discussion point on this podcast it was just like yeah you know i i liked enough of this to feel like i got my money's worth out of it and that's you know that, that's pretty good going for a short story collection because sometimes those things can be uh can be be frustrating or disappointing yeah i feel like there will be there's this is gonna sound so frigging up myself so forgive me but i feel like there's in the in the book about natsui ono's overall career and work there's going to be a very interesting chapter on danza where the author who is far smarter than me like basically can unpick and spin out this as like the the rosetta stone of the rest of their development Maybe, but that's just my personal feeling of like, oh, okay. Like I, I had a greater appreciation, as mentioned again, sorry, but I had a greater appreciation for their general work um, as a result of reading this. So maybe yeah. not a good introduction to the Natsume Ono, perhaps, but I think a very good thing for fans of the author. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a kind of go back to it after, you know, assuming you've read and enjoyed like House of Five Leaves or whatever, like this is kind of the direction of travel is you can then go back to something like this and kind of appreciate it for what it's, but yeah, as a starting point, it's kind of, it's a little too kind of early informative and kind of clumsy in places to really work out. Yeah, certainly. As mentioned, like some of the stories feel very overdeveloped for how they then end. And it's like, wait, hang on. <laughs> is, is that it? <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's um, Danza, um, the one volume sort of collection. So, moving on from that, uh, talking about what we're going to be talking about next time. So, in the next two weeks, we're going to be reading another series. Um, I have picked for next time the um, currently simulpubbing um, series Chainsaw Man, um, which is coming out on Weekly Shonen Jump. Um, I have been in. I'm interested to hear what you think about it, Andy. I've been enjoying it quite a bit, and think there's a lot to talk about in this series. Although I will admit, and this is kind of like putting my thoughts out there ahead of time i recently found out i don't know why it took me a while to put these together but it's by the author of fire punch which is a series i absolutely detest so whoops i suddenly i have to like grit my teeth a wee bit and go i still like chainsaw man i don't like fire punch so we'll see but yeah that's my um choice um because there isn't actually a physical volume release of this yet or a collected volume it's all just single chapters on the show and jump app um, read until you're comfortable finishing and have an opinion, I suppose. Shrug. So, how, how many chapters are there currently? Like, four, like fifteen. Okay, um, okay. The so first, the first chapter is the most important one because it's like a sixty-page honking great, like you know, a la Shonen Jump. It is the one where it sets its stall out, yeah. And then from there, it goes to twelve. It goes to thirteen, then twenty, thirteen, and twenty pages. So, yeah. And for yourself. Uh, yeah, so I decided to pick a, a series that I, I saw the anime adaptation of a couple of years ago now. I think it's a 2017 show. And it's one of those series that really kind of surprised me of like, oh, this has a lot more to it than I was expecting. Like, I kind of watched it just because and it turned out to, to surprise me in a whole bunch of ways. So I've been meaning to check out the, the source material for a while. And so why not now? Uh, so I picked volume one of Alison Zoraku. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've seen this floating around like the periphery of my manga space, so I'm interested to read this. Um, it also kind of falls into like an entire sort of collection of other age gap friendship titles that I uh, there are multiple of now, which is kind of wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, moving on to close down, you can see our website at screentone.club, view our previous episodes, download them, etc. The podcast itself can be found on our website on apple podcasts on spotify and all good podcast catchers um if you fancy please think about leaving a rating or a review that stuff really helps with visibility 
Um, tell a friend if you also um, tweet about it. That stuff again, really good. Like that sort of organic discovery really helps with getting the word out there. Um, you can also tweet at us at Screen Tone Club. You can also mail us uh, at show at screentone.club. And one thing to note, just as a quick bit of patron business, um, starting, well, tomorrow as we record this, it's going to be April, which means a new month of voting. Um, given that Cardcaptor Sakura itself was a surprise come from behind Victor, you too can make a change. And as even a single vote may mean that we don't have to read a light novel. Or we do. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. So... Um, personal plugs um, I'm Elliot Page you can find me at Elliot Page on Twitter wherever I try and continue to, pe- to post cat pictures including my cat which has discovered it's mostly liquid now um, at least when you put it in a lap and Andy uh, yeah you can find me on Twitter at Hannah's1979 cool thank you everyone for listening and well um, goodbye bye everyone <laughs>